Hello and welcome to episode two of In The Frame. I'm your host and West End Frame editor, Andrew Tomlins, and today we are putting actor Oliver Saville in the frame. Ollie is currently playing Wizard in Falsettos. Now, Falsettos is a beautiful show. It's way ahead of its time, written by William Finn and James Lapine, and it is currently making its long overdue UK premiere at the Other Palace. So, most recently, Ollie played Gideon in Sting's musical The Last Ship in Toronto. He is a regular face to theatre fans, having played Fiero in the West End production of Wicked, Ram Tum Tugger in the UK tour of Cats, and he understudied Ral in The Phantom of the Opera at Her Majesty's Theatre. He's been in lots of other shows, including Les Mis in the West End, Mamma Mia International Tour, Monkey Business, Knights of the Rose and Company. I recently went backstage at the other palace to chat to Ollie. We spoke about how complicated it was to learn falsettos and why he is so excited to be doing something so completely different to the other shows he's done previously in his career. We also discussed lots of other stuff, including making the step up to becoming a leading man, his relationship with social media, and most importantly, the evolution of his iconic hairstyles. <laughs> Ollie is such a lovely guy. He had literally just got back from a major workout at the gym, which was hilarious. I've interviewed him before, and it was really great to sit down and have a catch up. Here is the interview. Hi, Ollie. Hi. You're in the frame. This is amazing. <laughs> I actually feel like I'm in the frame as well with these headphones. I know. <laughs> in a frame. So you're in the land of falsettos mm-hmm. at the moment. How has it been? Because this is a seriously hardcore beast of a show. Yeah. Are you kind of in the flow of it? We're definitely in the flow of it now. It's, as I said to you before when you, when you walked in, this is the hardest show Mm-hmm. I have ever had to do mm-hmm. um, by far. Um, sorry, my phone was just ringing then. I was just trying to s- s- sneakily put it on silent, but I don't think I did that very well. Um, yeah, it's the, the by far physically, vocally, mentally, the hardest show I've, I've, I've come across. The score is just so detailed and so intricate. So when did this, when did it first come on your radar? And when, when the opportunity came up, what did you think? What did you look at first? So, I mean, this... The songs, obviously it's two musicals, so Falsetto Land and March the Falsetto. Yes, it's part of this kind of trio, isn't it? Well, actually, it? yeah, trio, the, when they put it it's together. It's just the two of these one-act musicals have been put together. Yeah, and uh, so, like, What More Can I Say was a song that people used to sing at drama school when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I sort of was like, oh, Falsetto Land, and I remember when it came to the Dominion, and, mm-hmm. you know, and then I didn't really know that it had done Broadway prior to the 2016 version. Um, but, yeah, it's it wasn't a show that was on my radar, until until the 2016 version really mm-hmm. and then and then yeah i did i did have a little listen to it and i yeah i never thought it was going to be the beast that it actually is because there's like 42 songs that's not normal for a show <laughs> i know it's all sung it's in a whole you know sung through musical but yeah there's like 20 odd songs in each act i mean and especially at one like lyrically it's so detailed and i was kind of lyrics are thrown in as an audience member it's hard work because you've got to yeah. take it all in so uh, talk to me about how's that learning process well i mean <laughs> the um the thing with this show is and the, the thing with these songs is it's not verse chorus verse repeat chorus you know 
A B A C A B. It is just monologues set to music. So actually, that that is a lie. I say my I have a solo in Act One, which is there's very few standalone songs, and, I, and I'm looking if to have uh, one of them in in Act One. And I sing games I play a few times. That's about it. Mm-hmm. But every other verse, every other, it's completely different, and it's all story storytelling. So yeah, it was a tricky one to learn, especially when there's some of the tunes repeat and then some of the tunes repeat that are slightly different mm-hmm. and you're going, which one am I on? Which Where are we, are we now? So, yeah, you can't lose your way with this show. I guess that's a nice way to bond with everyone and come yeah. together as a company. Cause We're all panicking. Great. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so for people who don't know, have you kind of nailed your friends and family synopsis? How do you explain what this show is? This show is, it's a funny one. It's a show about love. It's a show about love and acceptance and basically it's quite simple what happens. You follow a family who is quite dysfunctional So, and straight away we learn that the husband has run off with his best friend and the wife and the kids, are they're all trying to deal with it and then the wife then runs off with the husband's psychiatrist and we sort of then sit with that for a little bit in that one and see how this family deals with it. Now a guy, a, a husband coming out nowadays isn't, you know it's heard of it's Mm. still not widely accepted but it's it's heard of whereas in the late 70s that was like what what are you doing no you can't do that so yeah it's it was a a musical that was definitely ahead of its time and Mm. i said that in a few interviews and it it really was it is well i mean that's exactly what i thought because i mean we would still describe that setup as a I say inverted commas, a modern family. Modern family, yeah. But in the late 70s, I mean, that really was a modern family. Yeah. Really, really. And it's really interesting to deal with that as as a, 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 a I say, a modern, inverted commas, actor, mm. playing that in the 70s, because you, you would approach it slightly differently if it was nowadays, whereas you can't do that when it was sort of late mm. 70s, early 80s. So, mm. yeah, it's been really fun. And then what was it like taking on your role how did you have you prepared what have you you still kind of discovering things still discovering stuff every night and he's an absolute dream to play it's just another person falling in love with another person Mm. rather than boy meets girl it's Mm. just boy meets boy Mm. and I didn't want to camp it up too much or you know and and go down that route I wanted to tell an honest story and they're not I think your character and Daniel's character they are they come across like real people yeah and then it's that chemistry which lulls you in and we won't give anything away, but in Act 2 it's, like, heartbreaking. And it's heartbreaking for us as well. You know, it's it's a, it's a, an emotional rollercoaster mm. every single night. But that's a dream. That's a dream to play. Mm. So dream. how do you feel when you come off? What do you do? What happens post-show? Post-show, I... <laughs> Actually, I'm quite lucky. I, I ride in and out of, of work every day, so... Ride I, on... I motorcycle. <gasps> Yeah, so I have that sort of like 20 minutes, half an hour of like just me in my own head. So I can sort of, that's when I sort of de-stress, I suppose, mm. before I get home. And then, yeah, just try and have a tiny bit of an evening mm. before it all starts again. And are you having to kind of look after yourself? Yeah, completely. What's your What's your regime? What's your routine? Well, we... Well, I, today you were killing yourself. Yeah, I came in. I'm a, I'm, I'm a hot mess, guys, today. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, we gym. I, our amazing standby, Matthew McKenna, um, is dragging me to the gym every day. So we're doing that. So it's, yeah, I'm, I've, you know, got to eat well, got to drink a lot of water. Because this show, you don't have time during the show. I have... I don't leave the stage for the first 45 minutes. I have a little... Um, 
I hide behind a bit of set, but I'm on stage, and then that's the first time I sort of grab a drink mm. of water. And then Act Two, the end of the show, I don't leave the stage for about, again about forty minutes. Mm. It's crazy. Mm. So yeah, I've got to look after myself. What I really love is I've seen you in lots of different shows over the years, like Phantom and They Miz, and of course Wicked. Um, and this is so different for you and you're really getting to show everyone like a good different side of what you can do oh, i hope so yeah so as an actor do you feel i mean everyone talks about kind of being pigeonholed it's not necessarily it's not like you've been stuck because you've been playing amazing roles oh, and doing yeah. amazing things and it's great but is it exciting to now be able to be like hey guys look at what else i can do yeah it's that's every actor's dream and you you do slightly get pigeonholed and I've loved the roles I've played up until yeah, now. Played, yeah, been a, I can't, couldn't complain, and I'm glad that you know the industry has taken me that way. But yeah, getting to play a role like this has just been yeah, it's a dream, and it's so it is exciting to be able to explore different sort of areas of of yourself that you maybe didn't know were there. Mm. And yeah, it's great fun. Mm. And then it's like, oh, what's going to be next? What's going to be next? I saw, well. I know what's next. <gasps> oh, good. So, yeah, something's coming up. I don't know if I, I'm, it's not all been announced yet, but something very exciting starts a week after I finish this. So jumping show to show. Straight show to show, yeah. So Before really... this, you were doing The Last Ship. The Last Ship, yes. Which I didn't get... To, you were doing it in Toronto, Yeah, right? over in Canada, yeah. And I love that cast album. I love with Rachel Tucker. Oh, it's amazing. It's incredible. The music, Sting's music sounds absolutely incredible. Yeah. What was that job like? I mean, that was my big sort of milestone. Had to grow up quite a lot before I played that character because it was I was playing a a Mm thirty-two-year-old who had a sixteen-year-old daughter from Newcastle, Um, and obviously, I'm definitely not a dad either. Well, I hope not. Um, (laughs) And um, we, uh, yeah, so I had to sort of like really get my head screwed on for that, and and I tell a completely different story than again than I ever told before. So I sort of had a really lovely year. Yeah. for that really to do stuff that's totally out of my comfort zone um but yeah it was incredible and, and that, you were in toronto right it's yeah, like toronto. a beautiful theater oh, i mean it, oh it's stunning uh, canada i've seen so many pictures oh. of people doing jobs there yeah, it's, it's amazing i'd love to go there in the summer the winter was minus 35 <gasps> it was cold so i'd like to go back again in the summer but yeah it was just a, a dream part a dream show get to you know go and be in canada for Two and a half, three months. And was that your first time doing something? Did you go abroad with cats? Was that your? No, I did. I, yeah, I did. I, we did go slightly abroad with cats, and then I did uh, the world tour of Mamma Mia. Was like my right. second or third job out of college. So yeah, that was when I was sort of twenty. What's it like when you're going abroad? Is it is it different? Is it really like? Yeah, it's completely vibes. Completely different vibes, and you're sort of basically on holiday, aren't you? <laughs> sort of. It, it, it's a, it's a weird. It's like touring the UK. You know, the the day becomes about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, I mean, I got to see some amazing parts of the world on that job, and all the all the sort of jobs that have taken me over, overseas. And mm. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, yeah, I can't. I've got the best job in the entire world. I want that to come back. I, we need a, another UK production of the last ship. Well, we hopefully, that, let's we see. Come happen. on, let's get it. Let's put it out there. <laughs> come on, Sting. Come on, Sting. Bring it over. But, yeah. <laughs> but again, like working with Sting was another thing. That was. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that. He was just sat there in the room. So was that, you were playing Gideon, was that the role that he played? Was that the role that he played opposite? No, so that was, I. Uh, Richard Fleishman played the part on the UK tour. Right. And Sting uh, plays Jackie White, who's the uh, yeah. owner of the shipyard. It's slightly different to Broadway. Ah. So, uh, so Rachel Tucker's part's still in it, Meg. Uh, and then instead of a son, it's a daughter in this version. Right. And instead of, I think at one point they took the money from the church, whereas that doesn't happen now. 
they decide to go on strike and try and save the shipyard that way. Oh, cool. So it's slightly, yeah, it's slightly different. Were you part of that process when they were changing it, reworking it? No, so that was that was the UK tour. Right. was that first one that went out. Um, but no, they, they changed a few little bits in, in Canada and I think they're still mm. changing it now, so mm. we'll see. And of course, the last time you spoke, you were over the road, over here, <laughs> yes. in Victoria. It's Vic- a small theatre over the road. <laughs> Victoria's like a big part of back in the routine. It is. But I have to say, being back, have you seen what they've done to Victoria now? I know. That wasn't there when I was here. I know. Victoria has kind of sorted itself out. It's a building site. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Like, there's cafes, there's shops, it's there's restaurants. It's something you've got the exit. Cardinal Place. Cardinal Place, yeah. Um, but you had, I mean, Fierro is an amazing role to play, like, regardless, and lots of amazing people have done it. But you got to do it for two years, mm-hmm. and you got to do it with the 10th anniversary, you got to do it with Emma Hatton, you got to do it with Villamine and Rachel Tucker, and so much was happening during that time. It was Isn't like it? a whirlwind of a time for the show. And I imagine, I think I remember you saying Fierro was like one of your bucket lists yeah roles. completely from when I was at drama school yeah so not only was that a big tick but that was like an incredible like you must have been like I'm freaking lucky oh, I, had, I, I say this a lot I used to walk from my dressing room which was on like the first floor one floor above the stage mm-hmm. and I used to have to walk down some steps before I went and entered as Fiero mm-hmm. and I used to walk down in my little red waistcoat and my little tight white trousers and just be like oh I'm I'm playing Fiero. This is nuts. And honestly, it happened every single day. I just couldn't believe my luck. Mm. And yeah, it was it was amazing. It was a great couple of years. Do you look back now? And you're like, did that really happen? Like, did you it did you long by. enough for it to take it in? No, it was. Yeah, it was. I, it, looking back, I can't. I go. Oh, I finished Wicked last year, and I'm like, no, it's like three years ago, mate. That was that wasn't last year. That was you know they've just had their thirteenth birthday, haven't they? Yeah, and you were there for the tenth. Yeah, we were saying before you've done lots of different amazing things, and you were in the ensemble, and you were a cover, and then. Um, you were, was Cats your first lead when you were... No, I Tucker? did a show called Monkey Business, ah. which was about the monkeys. <laughs> um, <laughs> and was that? that was part of... So Manchester gets it first. It was... Ghost right. was part of... That was the first one. And then they did Monkey Business, which, yeah, was interesting. So I played one of the four monkeys... And I was Peter Talk, yeah. When was this? Mm, so this was two... In terms of... So this was just before I went to Les Mis. Right. Was that right? Yeah, just before I went to Les Mis the first time. Um, so yeah, that was my first sort of lead. But that was, I mean, we did it for 12 weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of... So then you covered some roles, you know, some roles, then you were leading Cats, yeah, and yeah. then you were covering Rao, right? And then you have been for you were Fiero, yeah, and yeah, you've yeah. gone on to do lots more leading roles. So, I mean, that's something, when you're at drama school, kind of, I guess, lots of guys, that's what you're aiming towards, that's what you want. But do you, when you get that kind of leading role label and you get that responsibility, is it is it more of a step up than you kind of imagine? Because you'll have to do things like this, like we're doing right now, with these it's interviews, lovely. and you're working hard. And but... you're going, oh, my God, have I said the right thing? Sorry, <laughs> I said that. God, yes, you have. <laughs> but is that, did you, is it what you envisaged it to be, or is actually, I mean, it's, it is a lot of pressure? Yeah. Yeah. I always appreciate that. I remember doing Cats. So Cats was my first sort of, I had that part for 14 months, and, you know, and it was, mm-hmm. it was and I mean, an amazing job. Met my fiance on that job and it, it was insane. But I remember getting to the end of the first week and, you know, Tugger was a gift of a part. Like, it was just, it was a dream. It was actually, you are Tugger. Stop it. I loved it. I just loved it. I You're had so much every fun. every day, real life. <laughs> With a big fur collar, like, but um, yeah, and I remember getting to the end of the first week, going, "Oh, yeah, I've I've got to be good eight times a week, and not that you're not good when you're covering or mm-hmm. whatever, but you have a week on, or you have that responsibility for three days, or a day, or an afternoon, or whatever." And I was suddenly like, "Oh, okay, yeah, 
this is going to be a bit of a challenge to keep this fresh every night yeah. within a year's time. And it, and, it, and it was. It was a big learning curve for me. I learned a lot about myself on that job. I guess, I guess it's kind of almost like what the industry is from right from the beginning people go I want to go to drama school I want to go to drama school and then you get in you're like oh my gosh now I've actually got to do this every yeah. day and then you get that and you're like I want to get an agent I want to, and then you get your agent and it's like oh now I've got now to what? try and get a job yeah. and then and then that never stops yeah then that feeling going I've got to get another job but how how do you deal with that because it is it's so tough and also we live in this social media world where you can't look at your phone or you can't do anything without being compared to other people yeah. how do you what's your like coping mechanism my I the thing is, I social media, I it's just work. Mm. It's just for work. And there's the odd holiday picture when we eventually ever go on holiday that goes up on there or something cool. But um, yeah, I just tend to stay off it unless I need to. I'll check it once a day, but I stay away from it. Um, Facebook is for my friends to keep in touch that I haven't seen. But other than that, yeah, Instagram and, and Twitter is just... I've never done an Instagram story. I don't know how that works. Like, not a clue. Um, so there's none of that on there. But um yeah, you just got, it's my, this is my journey. You're on your journey. Yeah. Whoever's, and that, you just, you've got to be like that. Otherwise, you, you'll go insane. So I have, again, I've been really lucky. And, you know, the past couple of years, just trying to have a bit of a career rather than just like taking every other job that I, I could get my hands on. Um, yeah, you just got to live in your own. So has it changed in the last couple of years? Has your mindset changed? Have you been a bit like, I want to try and do certain things. Yeah, it changed when I when I when I got cats. That's when just before that I was like, I really want to try and to make that step up. And if I don't, I'm I'm happy to have a career in every show I can get my hands on. I'll bite your hand off to do it. But let's see if I can do it. And I, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah. I'm still like that now. Going really? You give me this? You trusting me with this part? Okay, fine. <laughs> let's let's give it a go. And yeah, it's like imposter syndrome, right? <laughs> yeah. But I do. I agree. I, I completely agree with what you say. And I always think what I always say is you've got to try and be as good as you can be, like in any walk of life. Yeah. As a journalist, as any any job, as an accountant, as an actor, and not focus on trying to be better than everyone else. Yeah. Then it, that will catch up on you and. Oh, you just, you just get tired. Right? You know, there's no, there's just no need to be like that. I mm. think some people are, and it really works for them. But for me, yeah, that's, I'm on my journey, and mm. you know, if it's if there's a part that I really want or a show that I really want to do, and I don't get it, it was it was never mine to have in the first place. Mm. However much you want something doesn't mean you should get it, or however right everybody else thinks you are for something. Mm. That's a big thing I've learned recently. Everybody going, you'd be great for this. You're right for this. You're perfect for this. And then it's like, well, actually. You've got to, that's not everybody's, you know, that's not the team's cup of tea or whatever, you know. That's a big thing to deal with, isn't it? Ever wondered what it takes to make it in the movie business? Peel back the curtain with 4-6 Success Filmmaking. 4-6 Success Filmmaking is where filmmakers share their stories and the secrets. It's beyond competitive out there. There have been movies that it's taken me 10 years to get made. Don't wait to create. Like, you've got to just keep making stuff. Tune in to 4-6 Success Filmmaking for your dose of cinematic realness, direct from the voices that have lived it. One role that I remember you saying that you always wanted to play, that that we all, everyone has told you your entire life that you're right for, you know what I'm going to say. Obviously, Hercules. Yeah. Have you seen those? Um, have you seen like the pics and stuff? I mean, from, they the, look from that New York production. Incredible. It looks insane. It looks absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be great. Insane. I'm just good they didn't do it over here first, but 
We'll see. Well, now it needs to come. Oh, no, got to And all of a sudden, standing by. <laughs> Still going to the gym. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I want to talk about something really hard-hitting and serious and, and deep. Okay. I want to talk about Oliver Savile's hair. Yeah. I remember so clearly when you were, like, in Les Mis and you were this guy on, on Twitter with this amazing, like, <laughs> long... It was, like, blonde, right? It was really light, yeah. Was and that, I wasn't dyed that either. Yeah, it was all natural. And then when... What, so that, talk me through, like, the journey of, of, this, of the hair. It was hair. hard going. So I... I've never heard. When did you... What happened? Phantom of the Opera, that's what happened. I walked in my first day in rehearsals. I tried to leave the theatre and I had a note at stage door from Wiggs going, can you come and see Wiggs immediately, please? I was like, yeah, okay, cool thinking I'd be able to be row with the long hair. Yeah. And they went, um, just sit down in the chair, and they literally grabbed my ponytail, and they just cut it off. They were like, it's not no. happening. Yeah, they said no. So, yeah, that's when it went. And I obviously, they didn't strap me down to the chair. I was like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for a bit of a change. And they cut it off, and I was like, oh, my God, my hair. Um, and then, yeah, Wicked wanted short Wicked, hair. Wicked, it, was it wasn't as short as it is now. Nah, well, this is quite short but they wanted me to grow it for falsettos but the last ship um Gideon has just come back from sort of being in the navy for 16 years so it wasn't like a buzz cut like American buzz cut but it was short back in size so yeah it was like shortest I've ever had it and then that was it I was like oh my god it's gone short so and yeah I don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> I'd definitely try and grow it again if I could but it just depends what did you always sure. have? When did you when did you first grow so it? So I had to grow it. I they need, like, I need child it. I need child picks. I sh- you don't I, you don't want to see child picks, trust me. They're not pretty. Um I um, had to grow it on Mamma Mia. That's when they were like, Can you grow it? Right, so when you were at drama school, did you have like really short hair? Oh. Not really short hair, it's a lie. I had sort of like bleach blonde hair. I didn't yeah. know what was going on. Oh, I'll try and find them. They're horrendous. <laughs> and I was really, really, really skinny, like really, really skinny. With bleach blonde hair. <laughs> Drama school, leg warmers, having a lovely old time. Um, yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I do, I do miss it. I grow it again. I think. I know it take a long time now because it's short. It's really short. The sides. So we so we're in your dressing room. What are your dressing room essentials? I'm mine. That I tend to always have is my bronzer, which isn't out of the moment. We had to pack away for a show that was coming in in the uh, on the you know, the Sunday yeah, sessions. Sunday, Sunday yeah. sessions is that right? I might have got that wrong. Sorry, I forgot that wrong. Um, so we have to pack up a dressing room. But um, yeah, my bronzer and my bronzer brush. Everyone always takes the Mickey. So always that's from Wicked. Always wow. take that with me now. Um, and then I've always I always have cereal. Oh, when do you have the cereal? What cereal so do you have? It depends on a two show day. So this is. Pushing the boat out now because he thinks he's in the West End again. Um, Dorset cereals. This is the the cashew nutty granola. That is very posh, <laughs> isn't it? There's a waitress around the corner, darling. Um, so yeah, with me almond milk, great. I mean, I grew up on the side of a hill. I don't know what's happened to me. Wow, that's that. That's that gone. Anyway, that's it. That's what's in the dressing room. There's a couple of pictures, um, and then yeah. And you're all sharing. It's all the guys. Yeah, so there's together. four of us in here. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's no dressing rooms at the other palace, so. Bless them, we've kicked them out for this interview. So none of I them know, I feel bad. Sorry, Matthew right. McKenna. Sorry. <laughs> He's have to go and sulk upstairs. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't really have anything else here. Oh, Protein. It's nice. It's nice. <laughs> you've, got a, you've got a kettle, which kettle, is the most important thing. That's the most important thing. Um, tell me about the support that you have kind of behind you, because there is so much support in the theatre industry. We're talking about it, there's a lot of noise, isn't it, there? And lots of people have opinions about lots of different things. Yeah, social media is terrifying. <laughs> exactly, hence why. <laughs> Just stay away from it. Don't away. read on reviews anymore. No, gone. But um, what's it like to have, to know that that support, you do have that support behind it's you? It's amazing. I mean, I tell you what, on, well, this year, and actually, I had a couple, like, 
It was about 10 or 15 people came over, and I don't know whether it was to see me. They said it was, but they could have just been wanting to see the show, but to come over to see the show in Canada. Wow. Like, that's a holiday. That's not just coming over to see a show. So, yeah, it's incredible. And the people at Stay's Door here, I mean, we have the, they, I think they call themselves the Fansettos here on, uh, for Falsettos. <laughs> and everybody's so lovely. And, yeah, you, it's it's the support is amazing. And it, I've been so lucky since mm. since actually sort of the lamest days when I first got Twitter and all that sort of stuff. It's mm. It's been amazing. Stay's Door, then everybody was just so lovely. Mm. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And to know that... You know, regardless of the support from your from your family and friends back at home, it's amazing mm. to have sort of new friends and family. And was that you when you were growing up? Was was theatre part of your life? Did you ever did you go to theatre? Did you have like idols? Not really. I grew up on the side of a hill. So where I was this hill? Was in, where was this hill? It was in Buxton in Derbyshire, right. uh, which is in the Peak District, and. Yeah, we had the books, not opera house. So we had like Blood Brothers came and Joseph and yeah. Jesus Christ Superstar and you know little sort of little smaller touring shows, and um, my dad used to take me to watch them. But yeah, we, I'd never really. I was about. I was quite little late on until I was like, this is really what I want to do. I was sort of like thirteen, fourteen, and obviously. Yeah. We had channel one, two, and three, and channel four was a bit fuzzy. You didn't have internet. <laughs> in, in, you know, we had it. It was dial-up. Yeah. So it wasn't really until you I came to drama school. Instagram. There was yeah. no YouTube. Well, there was, but it was it was rubbish. Like yeah. nobody. Had to disconnect your phone to like. Get to yeah. you. Well, there was that. I mean, I had a Motorola until I went to drama school, <laughs> and then you got the first iPhone that came out. So, yeah, we, I didn't have that. Now I have it. I sit at home and I look at YouTube and I watch shows and I, you know, it's there. If I need to learn how to do an accent, I just look on YouTube. Mm. And, you know, it's just know. right at your fingertips. It's amazing. But yeah, I didn't really have that mm. growing up. I was trying to think. Didn't really watch any of it on. And then when you're at drama school, then was yeah, you know, and people like sort of Adam Garcia and you know Ollie Thompson and people like that. That sort of the people who I Hugh Jackman obviously was a big one for me. Actually, was a big one for me. And you know, the fact that he started in musical theatre and then went and became a superhero. Yes, please. And then still can do musicals still alongside musical it. Yeah. That's that dream career. Well, actually, maybe a great shame were to come to the West End. Oh, that'd be a dream as well. Kind of five, six years, that'd be like... Come on. That'd be a perfect timing. Right, let's make it happen. Thank you so much. You've been a dream. Thank You've you. been a dream. It's nice <laughs> to do this again. Now on a podcast. Yeah. What's going on? Um, thank you so much and good luck, rest of the set. Thank you very much. And I can't wait to see what's next. We'll see. Bring it on. <laughs> thank you, Molly. Thank you. Thank you so much to Oliver Saville. It was so lovely recording that. Falsettos runs at the Other Palace until Saturday the 23rd of November. So you have about a month left to go and see him doing his thing. It's a brilliant show. Please visit www.falsettoslondon.com for full info and tickets. If you enjoyed this episode of In The Frame, please leave a rating, maybe write a little review and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Don't forget to check out our other podcast, The West End Frame Show, to stay up to date with theatre news, show talk and Broadway gossip. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. You can head over to westendframe.co.uk to stay up to date with our podcasting adventures And you can also find West End Frame on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. I'll be back next week with the incredible Shanae Holmes, who is currently preparing to star in High Fidelity. (laughs) 